Wow, you know, that was an incredible time in worship. So thank you, worship team. That was, wow. It's hard to, it's like, can we keep doing that? Like, do we have to interrupt that? I, oh, man, I love it. So what we were just singing, the song Canons, is the heart of the psalm that we're going to go through today. And that's Psalm 8. You can start turning there. Um, but I want you to think for a second, what was the most beautiful, majestic sight that you've ever seen in nature? You got it in your head? Okay, think of that as we go through this psalm this morning. Now here, here was mine, I think it's so hard to pick, right? But um, I was at, can you bring the lights down so we can see it well? Um, so I'm in the Garden of the Gods, Colorado Springs. Can we bring these lights down? Um, perfect. Yeah, so in the Garden of the Gods, now, we, we had Joy and Brandon. They were pretty young. We made this trek back there. They may have had to stop and go number two on the side of the trail on the way. Um, it, it, took a, it shouldn't take that long to get back where we were here, but it did. And we finally got there, and Pike's Peak is in the distance, which we went up a couple days later. Just magnificent. I mean, just beauty, just jaw-dropping. It was, it was totally worth it. Okay, you can bring the lights back up. But that's, that's mine. But, you know, there's, there's times when you're in nature where it seems like, it seems like nature is just screaming God. I mean, I mean, not audibly, but it's just like, it's just like God's fingerprints are all over this. And that's, that's what Psalm 8 is all about. So let's, let's look at Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet... You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So we're just going to use the chorus of the song we just sang of canons has the outline for this psalm. So we see right away in verse 1, You are holy, great and mighty. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You're holy, you're great. He says, he uses both terms for Lord, Lord, our Lord. And it looks the same in our English. Um, some translations capitalize all the letters in the first one. Um, and that means it's Yahweh. We're going to sing a song later. We sing, we sing it in songs uh, frequently. Uh, the name Yahweh it was the personal covenantal name of God for the people of Israel, his chosen people. And then Lord, the second Lord, meaning master and king. So I was trying to think, how can we relate that today? And, and I'm thinking, you know, as, as believers in Jesus, as followers of Jesus, as Christians, it'd be like saying, Jesus, my king. O Lord, our Lord, Jesus, my King, Jesus, as Christians, is our personal name for our God and Savior. And then, but He is our King. He is our Master. I follow Jesus. 
right? So, oh Lord, our Lord, Jesus, my King, how majestic is your name. Majestic. That means great, powerful, noble, along those lines. It's hard to even to even define it really well, but, but you know it when you see it, right? When you're out in nature, like majestic, grandeur, beauty, power, greatness, it's, it's there. How majestic is your name? This isn't, this isn't talking about just his name in and of itself. It's talking about his character and his reputation. So it isn't that God's name is like graffitied all over creation. That would be kind of weird, I think. Um, it's not that that's what's actually happening, right? But God's character and reputation is displayed everywhere. His majesty, his greatness, his power, his nobility is canvassed everywhere. And it's awe-inspiring. How majestic is your name in all the earth. So not just in the Grand Canyon, not just at the Garden of the Gods, not just at Niagara Falls, even in rural Iowa, or even in the middle of Nebraska, which is hard to believe. But I'm just kidding, if they're in Nebraska. Nebraska is beautiful in its own way. Um, but it, not just when it's 75 degrees and sunny either, right? It's, you, see, you see the majesty of God in all of the earth, all of the time. So the, whether it's the intricacy of a leaf. Have you ever just stopped and noticed the intricacy of a leaf or a bug? Or the power of a thunderstorm? Or the beauty of flowers? Or even the beauty of snowflakes. I know for a lot of us, that's hard to even say beauty and snowflakes in the same sentence. Um, But it's true. The complexity of the the digestive system. How about the complexity of the digestive system of a cow? You got got what, four stomachs? I mean, how does, I don't, I don't get it. That's, that is complex. That is, that is amazing. (laughs) Or the wonder of a hummingbird. So I sit in my office, and I've never seen a hummingbird outside my window before, but I saw it this week while I was working on this. I'm like, whoa, and they're just amazing. You know, I don't know how fast their wings flap, but, but pretty fast, and it's just mesmerizing to watch, right? They just kind of, it almost looks like a little, I don't know, CGI thing going on, but um, it's real. The wonder of a hummingbird in all the earth, his majesty is everywhere we look. Every region, every corner of the earth just just screams God. So before he even gets to the moon and the stars, he's just talking about things on this earth. They declare who God is. And Stephen Jones came a couple weeks ago, and he did a great job um, teaching us about the glory and the greatness of God, the majesty of God. And and he encouraged us just to wake up. And, and I was encouraged again as I read this song, man, I need to wake up. You know, I am surrounded. We are surrounded by God's majesty everywhere, all the time, every day. And how much do I just walk past it and not even notice it, much less praise him for it? So I, I encourage you this week to go for a walk. It's, it's decently nice, Al. Go on a walk and just notice the greatness of God in creation. Maybe do it with a friend or a family member. Bring your, bring your kids out. I, we went with our family this past week and tried it. It was so funny. We, they pointed out some really cool things. You know, I said, how does this show that God is great and powerful as we walk? What are some things you see? And Brandon picks up, uh, our, our four-year-old Brandon, he picks up a uh, cottonwood branch and it's got the, you know, the fluffy stuff on it and um, cottony stuff. And he's like, God is fluffy? And we're like, nah. Not quite, but um, it's a good time. So, uh, but I encourage you get out there, notice all the things, get get 
get down in the, the details of things. Sometimes we're just looking for these great, grand things. Get down in the details of things. Notice God's greatness and grandeur. He really is majestic in all the earth. The next part, so you're holy, great, and mighty. The next part of the song, and the next part of this psalm, the end of verse 1 to verse 3, the moon and the stars declare who you are. He moves from everything on this earth and looks upward. He says, you have set your glory above the heavens. You've set your glory above the heavens. So that just means above earth's atmosphere. And glory... It's it's the same concept of majesty, it's greatness, it's power, it's nobility. And he's saying, hey, the moon, the stars, space, comets, meteors, planets, galaxies. It's not just contained to here on earth, everything that we can see right up close. It's everywhere. And he continues, verse 2, he goes, he he like zooms way out and then zooms way back in. In verse 2, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. This is talking about the weak. So yeah, of course, his greatness, his majesty is shown in the moon and the stars. But wait a minute. It's also shown in the smallest, weakest things. Babies and infants, they declare his strength and his majesty. And this is unrivaled strength. Okay, it's one thing. It's one thing to be known for your great power and your great majesty. It's another thing to have your majesty shown in the smallest of things. And so, of course, I thought about food because I'm often thinking about food. And I love barbecue places. Anyone like barbecue places? Yeah? You with me? Okay, so there's this place called Cued Barbecue down in Waukee. And, and CJ, I don't, I don't, I didn't see him, but CJ Van Ruckel brought me to this place and he did, you know, he declared this is the greatest barbecue place of all time. I'm like, I've heard that before. And then I've gone, it's been all right. And off I moved with my life. Right. But this was the greatest barbecue place I've been. Okay. He, he wasn't, he wasn't lying. So usually with barbecue places, they have like one staple thing that's amazing. And the rest is all right. You know, and maybe this is a rib place or this is a brisket place, pulled pork. No, but this is everything. Okay, everything I tried, even the sides were the best sides, the best baked beans, the best mac and cheese that that I've had. And I'm not overstating it. So that is true greatness, right? It's one thing to have barbecue place and have one main dish that's really good. It's another thing to have everything that's amazing. And that's what's happening in here, okay? If you can track with me. This is unrivaled strength. It's not just God creating all of these big, amazing things. No, even... The weakest of things declare his majesty. And so there's two ways to understand verse 2. You can understand it like this. Um, Babies and infants maybe represent the nation of Israel, which was small and weak compared to Babylon and other nations around them. Uh, And so, of course, they were God's chosen people. So over and over again, God provided for them and even gave them land and fought off enemies that they had no reason beating, we see in the Old Testament. And so their enemies and avengers were silenced by God's strength. Or it could literally mean babies and infants silencing God's critics and opponents. And Jesus uh, applies it that way. So um, Palm Sunday, it's, you know, we celebrate to get the palm branches out with the kids. But that actually happened. Jesus walking into Jerusalem... 
And he's, he's walking in Jerusalem, really, to go to his death, and he knows that. But he's walking in, and the kids were, were waving palm branches and praising him. And in Matthew 21, verse 15, it says this, But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, Jesus, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what they, these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you, have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? Hey, Jesus is like, well, yeah. Yeah, I heard them giving me praise. Haven't you read Psalm 8? That's, that's basically what he's saying. Don't you know your Bible? This, this is going to happen. And so I think about kids nowadays, kids worshiping Jesus and and worshiping God and making much of God is one of the coolest, most beautiful things um, I've I've ever witnessed. And I've I've witnessed it in different places, but I want to show you right here at our church. Maybe it's going on right now. They do some worship songs each week, so I just wanted to show you a little taste of it. So you can just play that. Sounds not that important. Just throw it up there. There there they are. Notice Brandon over here, okay? They'll come back to him. It's fantastic. proud dad moment right there so but but that's what i think of god is so great and majestic that even even little kids just silence critics no god's not real god's not good yeah what how do we explain that then the weakest the helpless declare the greatness of god verse three he comes back he comes back to the heavens when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Notice it says, your heavens, not the heavens. That's important. He's not, hey, look at that. Wow. He's not, no, look at, look, God, look at what you made. When I look at what you made, it's like he's sitting out under the stars. I bet, I bet he was. David was probably out under the stars as he's writing this and thinking about this, looking up. It, it reminds me of... Uh, you know, when you're out in the middle of the country, all the lights, the town, are nowhere to be seen, and it's just crystal clear. I, I think that's what's happening right here. He's sitting under the stars. I, I remember going out um, when I worked at camp on the weekends. My, my buddies and I would just go and sleep under the stars on a nice night, and there was nothing like it. Just falling asleep to the majesty of God before you. So some things that I'm sure David did not know, but we can know um, with the advancement of technology. The moon is about 250,000 miles away, depending on where it's at in orbit. And if you were traveling 60 miles an hour, it would take you just under six months to get to the moon. So if you could take your car somehow and just go up, um, like chitty chitty bang bang, you're Y'all know that reference? No? Okay. So, um, if you could just drive your car to the moon, it would take you just under six months. That's, that's like driving around the earth ten times. Now, there's no potty breaks either, right? And there's no stopping for Taco Bell. And there's no, I mean, there's no sleeping. I mean, I'm just saying straight for about six months, okay? That's how long it would take to get to the moon. Feeling small yet? That's just the moon. Okay, but what about the stars? So the nearest star is our sun, 
if the earth were the size of a golf ball, that would mean the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. And if that doesn't do it for you, that means 960,000 golf balls would fit inside the sun, which is equal to the amount that would fit in a school bus. That's earth. And we, I mean, you couldn't even, you couldn't even prick it with a pen. And it's, we're even smaller than that. What about the next closest star, Beetlejuice, which is just a fun name. I just saw the next movie. They're making a Beetlejuice 2. Not that that's important right now, but next closest star, Beetlejuice. It's, is it two times the size of the sun? No, it's actually two times the size of the Earth's orbit around the sun. That's how big Beetlejuice is. And if the Earth were the size of a golf ball... You could fit 262 trillion Earths in Beetlejuice. That is enough golf balls to fill the Superdome, which is where the New Orleans Saints play. Not just fill the Superdome, to fill the Superdome 3,000 times with golf balls. Beetlejuice. Feeling small yet? See, the moon and the stars declare who he is. When I look at, the, when, he, when he says this, I mean, you've got to have perspective. When I look at the work of your fingers, he did this with his fingers, right? Just placed Beetlejuice there. And there's even larger stars. Psalm 33, 6 says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth, all their host." Think about that. The sun, it's there. Beetlejuice, it's there. This is our God. The moon and the stars declare who he is. And so the only fitting response we see in verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? He's saying, who am I? I am so unworthy. Like this song says, I'm so unworthy. Who am I? He's outside under the stars looking at the moon and the stars and creation. Doesn't even know what I just told you, those, those facts, but is still in amazement. And he's feeling really small and vulnerable and unworthy. It's like when we, you go to the ocean or you go to the mountains and you're just, you have no words. Just overtaken. Why would a God like this ever even think of me? What is man that you are mindful of me? Wow, why would this God ever care about me? And he absolutely does think about us and care for us. And we're going to see that in verses 5 through 8. But it's actually really good and healthy for us to be brought down to size regularly. In our self-esteem, entitlement culture, it is right and healthy for us to see ourselves as we actually are before God. And that's unworthy. This is what makes the good news of God's love and grace so good. If we are worthy, who cares if God loves us? If we're worthy, then we're like, of course, of course he cares about me. I'm a big deal. 
But we aren't worthy and we aren't the big deal. God is the big deal. He's the creator. We're just the creation. You know, I think we have a lot of frustration in life because we've made ourselves the center of the universe. Here's what I need to hear and here's what you guys need to hear. You're not. We are not the center of the universe. And we're not that big of a deal. God is. You need to remind yourself of this day, yourself of this daily, several times a day, just like David did in verse four. We need to say, "Who am I?" When I look at the heavens, when I look at everything around, who am I, God, that you would care for me? Remind ourselves of that line: "I am so unworthy." But He doesn't stop there. But still, He loves us. Verses five through eight. Yet, key word: yet. You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Yet, you would think this equation of God's greatness the greatness of all of his creation and our unworthiness would mean that God wouldn't give a rip about us. You, you would think at least he would just kind of ignore us. But he actually pours his love out on us. What? Why? Why would he do that? He says it in, in verse 5 and, and, and verse 6, 7 and 8. Verse 5, he says, you are valued. He not only thinks about us and cares for us, like it says in verse 4. No, we're more valuable than anything else in all creation. A little lower than the heavenly beings. Or in the Hebrew, it actually says a little lower than God is the word used there. Only God is of greater worth and value. There's God, there's us, and there's the rest of creation. Why? Because we are image bearers of God. We are the crown jewel of his creation. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Nothing else. Think about it. Nothing else in all creation can claim that. No dog, no cat. Thankfully, no cat. No, <laughs> I don't want to get into it. Um, No leaf, no planet, nothing, nothing can say that they are made in the image of God except us. Human beings, we stand alone in value in all creation. And Shane, many of you guys know Shane Kelderman who was here, he said, it's so profound, he said this at youth group once. He said, the most incomprehensible thing about God is not the vastness of his nature or the extraordinary might of his creation. It's that he would love us. Is that when you look at his creation and understand how amazing he is and how amazing everything he made is, that he would look at us and go, yeah, I value you and you're my image bearers and I love you. I'm so unworthy, but still you love me. So he loved us by valuing, valuing us. He loved us by entrusting everything to us. Verses 6 through 8. Genesis 1.26 echoes this. He says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
We're entrusted with everything. Entrusted just means we're given something to take care of for the use of the giver's honor. In this case, God's honor. It says there in verse 6, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. They're the works of God's hands. It's one thing to say, I care about you. It's another thing to say, I value you. But it's a whole new level to say, here's the keys to everything I just made. I remember when I was in high school, um, I wanted to, to take my youth leader's car uh, to prom, drive his car to prom. Now, looking back, it was rather silly because it wasn't that great of a car. Um, I just had a little Geo Metro that was a piece of junk. So compared to my car, it was a step up, right? It was a Mazda Protege. Um, but yeah, so it was just this little red thing. I, I, I waxed it, treated it great. And, but he entrusted me with his car for that night. See, this youth leader, he cared for me really well. He showed genuine interest in me. He showed up at my ball games, met up with me on occasion, see how I was doing. But it was a whole new level, him entrusting me with his car. And as mankind, we've done a pretty terrible job of representing God, if we're honest, of being image bearers. We've also done a pretty terrible job of being responsible with everything that God's entrusted to us. I mean, just look around at our messed up, sin-filled, broken world. And God's response, what is it? Well, I know what mine would have been. If I was that youth leader, if I took my youth leader's car and intentionally crashed it or did something stupid with it, if I was that youth leader, I'd be like, all right, we're done. Like, yeah, I'll still be your youth leader, but I'm just going to distance myself a bit. But, But God doesn't do that. He instead does the unthinkable and adopts us. I've I've made you image bearers of me, given you this responsibility, entrusted you with everything, and you've blown it over and over and over. So I'm going to provide a way for you to be my child. That, That doesn't make sense. But that's God. He knew we would just continue in this downward spiral of sin. And he loved us in a huge way. In a huge way that David, I am convinced, would have included in this scripture if he was on this side of the cross in history. He made us his children. He made a way for us to be his children. He sent the man, Jesus, to live A perfectly entrusted life that we failed at living. He sent the man to die in our place. To take God's just wrath on himself. He sent the man to rise from the dead. To make unworthy, terrible image bearers sons and daughters. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Remind yourself of these truths every day, several times a day. I'm a valued image bearer of God who entrusted everything to me. And if you are a believer, made him his chi- made me his child and he's madly in love with me. So which do you tend to need to hear most? Do you need to hear, I am so unworthy 
Or do you need to hear, but still you love me? And I think depending on the day, we need to hear one of those louder than the next. And both of those are true, and we need to hear them on repeat in our lives. I'm so unworthy. I'm not the point God is. But still you love me. I'm a valued, loved image bearer and a child of God. See, pride, pride is really the core of all sin. Because pride is self-focus. And there's two kinds of pride. The first pride is probably what you think of when you think of pride. It's arrogant pride. It's thinking of yourself too highly. But there's another really insidious form of pride called fearful pride. And it's thinking of yourself too lowly. And the problem with both of those kinds of pride is that you're thinking of yourself too much. Whether you're thinking of yourself too highly or too lowly, the focus is wrong. It shouldn't be on you. It should be on God. And the only cure for both is to focus on the majestic, loving God. John Calvin said this, Man never achieves a clear knowledge of himself unless he first looks upon God's face and then descends from contemplating, contemplating him to scrutinizing himself. Which do you need to hear loudest today, this week? I'm so unworthy, I'm not the point God is, or I'm a valued, loved, image bearer and child of God, but still you love me. In verse 9, he repeats himself from verse 1. For good reason, with new perspective, he sings, or he says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He ends the way he started with a fresh appreciation for all that he's saying. He's saying, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name, your majesty, your power and your greatness in every little thing that you've created. I see your majesty in the moon and the stars that are beyond my comprehension. I see your majesty in how worthy God is compared to my unworthiness. And I see the majesty in you creating us and valuing us and entrusting us as image bearers. But I see your majesty on top of that in adopting us who believe into his family. And the only sane response that someone can have to all of this is to sing forever my heart will sing of how great you are. You cannot face these realities and be gripped by them of who God is and who we are and not just raise your hands and go, forever my heart's going to sing about you, not about me, about you, not about anyone, anything else. I'm just going to use everything you've given me to point to you, God, because you're majestic. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray. God, it's overwhelming to contemplate you. You are beyond our comprehension. Your love for us is beyond comprehension. Your greatness in the things that you have made and the ways that you have worked are beyond what my brain can fathom. So God, overwhelm us this week as we walk through your creation. Overwhelm us this week with your majesty. May it drive us to our knees in worship and praise of you, God. 
You alone are worthy. We are so unworthy, but yet you love us. So thank you, God. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the Psalms. Continue to overwhelm us with yourself day in and day out, Jesus. Amen.